The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the twelfth chapter. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, the voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. At this time, I invite all the young and young at heart forward for a special message. Remember that we're not alone. 
Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, through what you suffered, you learned obedience. Teach us as we look to you to be faithful to your word, to follow you where you lead us, to serve and love one another as you have loved and served us. Take all these things and all the things of our hearts, then keep them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Promises change people, or they, they should. But it seems like in the world that we live in, promises are, are empty, vain, or meaningless. And I think that's caused by a number of reasons, right? Promises are made, and they're either fulfilled or they're broken, causing us to lose trust in the people who have made those promises to us. We make promises for, for trivial things, right? Who's going to take out the trash during the next commercial break? Who's going to do the dishes when you're done with supper? Whose turn is it to take the next load of laundry? I promise I'll get it at some point. I've learned that lesson already, if you can't tell. So what do we do when we make promises like that? When something important or meaningful comes along, I promise to be with you when you're sick. I promise we'll go see our neighbor who we haven't ran into in a while to make sure that she's okay. I promise to be there for you when times get tough. Those things get lumped in with the laundry and the trash and the dirty dishes. And they devalue the way that we relate with one another. Which is why I think it's important this morning to talk about covenants. In the church, when we teach and when we talk about covenants, almost immediately we begin talking about them as promises, right? We teach kids from a very young age that the rainbow is a sign of God's promise, God's covenant with the world. That God wouldn't let it be destroyed again. But a covenant's much more than a promise, Right? A covenant is a relationship, a binding of two parties by a vow sealed in the Old Testament by a sacrifice offering, which represented the seriousness of what was being done. The taking of a life is a very serious thing. And to make a covenant is to take on the responsibility of that lost life, the pigeon, the lamb, the calf. To swear before God and before neighbor that the promise made in the cutting of this covenant was of equal weight. Each party was held responsible and each party equally obligated to make sure that they kept their end of the covenant. Lest innocent blood be shed in vain. God has made covenants with the people of Israel throughout their history. God made covenant with Noah. God made covenants with Abraham. Right, Promising him an heir, a home, and blessings so numerous that he would be a blessing to others. God renewed that same covenant with Abraham's son Isaac and with Isaac's son Jacob. Showing us that God passes on those same promises from generation to generation. The covenant that we most often think of in Scripture is probably the covenant given to Moses 
on Mount Sinai, the giving of the law, the Ten Commandments, Israel's election as God's chosen people. And all of these covenants have something similar in common. God gives something to the people as a mark of their relationship and of the promise conveyed. Circumcision and the tablets of the law were reminders to all the people of Israel that God had chosen them. And they were also signs of the life that God had called for them to live. All of the Old Testament itself is a record of God's covenant relationship with the people of Israel. Of God extending His promises from generation to generation. And what that tells us is that through these promises, there's a connection between past and present, old and new, with one constant. God's desire for our well-being as an expression of love extended to us time and time and time again. But what God says through the prophet Jeremiah this morning is that a new covenant is coming. One not like the old. The old one, of course, is this covenant of the law, the Ten Commandments, which the people of Israel had broken time and time again because they preferred other things. They found other gods to worship in their lives. But in God's good nature, what we find through the record of the history of the people of Israel is that God did not abandon them. But instead, God continued to renew those covenants and indeed in this place gave them a new one. A new gift, one that cannot be broken because it was written on their very hearts. This covenant is different because rather than being written on stones which can be tossed away or broken, these words were written in the very depths of each and every person, changing them and shaping them in ways that a stone never can. God's relationship with Israel, with us... Is deeper than words and commandments. It's not something that can be ignored or avoided because God has left His imprint on each and every one of us. And that's why I say that promises should change us. Because indeed, by God's covenant, we have been changed. I will be your God and you will be my people. I will forgive your iniquity and remember your sin no more. As Christians, we looked at this prophecy from Jeremiah and, and we see its fulfillment in Jesus. His death and resurrection is being lifted up so that all people would be drawn to Him. This is the one who offered Himself so that our sin would be blotted out. This is the one who kept the covenant of God made with Israel, extended to each and every one of us as a blessing. This is the one who allows us to share in that same covenant. As Christians, we believe that this new covenant has already been made. And we look to baptism as a proof of it. Being buried and raised with Jesus, we trust that what God has promised for us is a most holy gift. I will be your God. You will be my people. I will remember your sin no more. And I will forgive your wrongdoing. God has made good on His promises and in baptism has made us His children and cleansed us from the sin that once made us sick. 
At baptism, we the church share in this covenant to grow with one another in the study of Scripture, the Creed, the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer. We covenant together with God to serve this world and to give our own lives away for the healing and service of the world. We covenant together with one another and with God to gather here in worship with our Christian sisters and brothers. To come to this table and receive God's good gift of Christian unity. This bread and wine we receive in Holy Communion. And so as Christians, we look at this gift of Holy Communion as God's continued covenant renewal. We participate in this gift. We receive it every week. Because God has provided us with the body and the blood of Jesus himself. And in that we receive an assurance from God that your sins are indeed forgiven. And that we are truly made to be God's people. In this meal, we see that we are more than individuals, but we are a fellowship of believers gathered together here with God and with one another for a purpose. And in this meal, we covenant together to do as Paul said. For as often as we eat this bread and drink of this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. In the glory of his resurrection. In this meal, we witness to our faith boldly as our witness to the life of God in Christ Jesus. And so as Christians, we look at these gifts and we look at the world around us and we come to realize that God's promise has indeed changed us. We've been given the ability to look at our neighbor and see not an enemy, but someone who God has called us to love and serve. We look at the world around us and we don't see natural resources that are ours for the taking But we see God's good creation and realize our implication in caring for this place. We see those who have harmed us in any way. And we know by the law that's written on our hearts that mercy, understanding, and forgiveness are far more powerful than bitterness, anger, or rage. This covenant, this promise, it has changed us. In Christ Jesus, we're made to look towards the well-being of others as an intimate piece of our own wholeness. Because when we look to Jesus crucified and died for us, we come to realize even that when one of us suffers, all of us suffer. And we are drawn into him. You know, we're often faced with questions in our lives about faith and God's presence in the world. What does being in the church change? What does God really do here for us? What does that matter in this day and age? Sisters and brothers, look around. We see signs of the covenant everywhere in one another. This covenant is real. And it has challenged and changed each and every one of us for the better. Jesus said that when he was lifted up, he would draw all people to himself. We live and we walk as people who have seen the risen Lord, who have recognized Jesus' death as faithfulness to the covenant that God made with Abraham, that God made with Moses and the people of Israel. And we see in him God's faithfulness to that covenant, even to the point of death. 
What does Jesus say? Now I am troubled in my soul. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It's for this reason I have come to this hour. Instead, I will say, Father, glorify your name. Even in the face of death, God still makes good on his promises. Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to this world that what God has promised is no small, trivial thing. Taking out the laundry or the trash or doing the dishes. Jesus was raised from the dead to prove that nothing in this world can separate us from the love of God. And so as we look to Jesus for guidance in this world, we trust and hope and pray that the Holy Spirit would give us power and courage and strength to keep our promises with one another as God has so graciously done for us. In the name of Christ, amen.